Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Red Truth and White Lies, a podcast of two Canada's. Today, we have two amazing guests. They help organize the Unity Rally in Hamilton. We have Jordan Carrier and Audrey Davis. Um, Nick was ha- kind enough to reach out to them and get a hold of them. And uh, so, Nick, thank you for doing that. How are you doing today, Nick? Oh, I'm doing great, Andrew. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, I was at the Unity Rally, and I heard both of these fantastic women speak uh, with a good mind. And I was like, they got to be on the show for sure. So I waited a few days till the steam went down a bit after and uh, reached out to them. And they were like, heck yeah. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, ladies. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And heck yeah, we'd be here. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the crazy things that had happened was at that Unity rally, um, just spontaneously, the Sir John A. Macdonald statue ended up hitting the ground. And uh, so the Sound of Freedom echoed after that a little bit. <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, but you guys didn't, you, neither of you planned that. Nobody planned that. Um, that was an act of settler allies. Um, and then as soon as that happened, like you started to get like threats and all different kinds of things. So um, can you tell us like all about what made you start? What made you do this unity rally? What made you want to put it together? Well, I I can start that. Um, So what happened was uh, it started back in June, the end of June, there was an article in the paper. uh, um, One of the local politicians had spoke about um, continuing on with with the uh, Canada Day celebrations. Um, And he spoke of Canada in her warts. Well, her warts, uh, we need it to be celebrated as well as talking about keeping things in their historical context. So I felt the need to, to um, just his understanding a little, um, and uh, and gave him a call. Ended up having a meeting, um, and it was not very. Um, and then there was um, uh, received information that the city council and the the leadership of Hamilton doesn't see the Hamilton Indigenous community as being united. So I made a call out to, to Jordan and, um, and Lyndon, um, who was one of our other organizers. Um, and we said, yeah, we need to do something. Um, there, was, there was support from another politician in setting up the press conference. Um, and then we moved forward with the press conference following a rally, which we needed to show that the, the community is united. And we, even though uh, we don't have a single representative, that's not the way we operate. Um, all of our voices do matter, you know. And and uh, we know we knew that the uh, the city council, the mayor's office, received over a thousand emails asking them to take the statue down, you know, due to you know it's ongoing trauma, and also it it created more trauma and and. Um, more triggers for people since the they started finding the kids discovering the not discovering um, finding the kids burial sites in Kamloops initially and in the ongoing findings since um, and it is it is uh, a trigger if it's a trigger to one person it shouldn't stay standing and like I said there was over a thousand multiple phone calls uh, and so. Um, our goal was to let them hear that we are united and that we wanted the statue down. And kudos to our allies, you know, it really um, inspired 
more motivation in us to keep moving this work forward and, and really um, um, making them see that we are human, you know, and that, that those colonial icons do cause trauma, you know, and do trigger us. Um, but I'll stop talking now because it's I got to give Jordan a chance to talk. That's, yeah. that's where the rally started from. I absolutely agree with you. And one of the other things, too, is that um, over the course of the past year, even, we've seen overseas that statues come down. You know, there's different statues coming down over there. And then over here, we have all these colonial leaders standing up there staring at us. So, you know, and then, like you said, we're finding these more grave sites and different things like that. So it's going to be a trigger. It's going yeah. to bring up all of those emotions and all those feelings. And we had a we had a little bit of a correspondence with the mayor's office actually about a little after, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I want to touch on a little bit that Audrey mentioned on about the over a thousand emails. Now this is the third time that the the public has requested the statue being taken down in the last two years. So this isn't just a thousand emails that have come in. Right. There's That's probably awesome. been three or four thousand emails that have gone in, as well as a few hundred phone calls. Uh, people approaching him on the street as well. So I wanted to touch on that. Uh, now, every time the city votes on this, the city council votes on this, there are particular council members that always vote to keep it every time without consideration. And we know the ones that do and we know the ones that don't. Um, and with the correspondence that we had with Fred Eisenberger, we could see a blatant change in the correspondence when we were speaking to a person of color as compared to when the regular secretary came back and it was, it was some real, real shady stuff going on. If you missed that, everybody go and check it out at our website, uh, www.credibamohawk.com. Check in the inside CME section and it's right in there. You'll see it. We're calling for the resignation, Fred Eisenberger. So anyway, Jordan, um, uh, give us your little speech on this here. I wanted to touch on that with Audrey there. Uh, yeah, when Linda and Audrey first reached out to me to be a part of this, I 100% was like, yeah, I'll be there. Um, you know, I know that this has been a call from our community for um, several years. This wasn't certainly a new ask. And um, I did delegate at the emergency and community services meeting, um, you know, explaining why it was a trigger for myself and the, my kin in this community. Um, you know, as an urban person, urban indigenous person, like I am, I'm Plains Cree, so I'm not, these aren't my, this is my, isn't my traditional territory, but I have kinship networks in the city and seeing how hurt they've been by the um, ref refusal to answer the calls of uh, the indigenous people in this community that was really sort of put a fire under me. And I think with the, with the recovery of all of these babies across the country um, has certainly really um, put that fire into full blast. So I was like, what can I do? And I think that's part of like how I respond to trauma too is what can I do? I gotta do something. And so when I get these asks to sort of help organize these things or um, create these spaces where people can come together I'm happy to do so and that helps in my own healing and sort of take the lead um, in trying to amplify these voices. Um, so it was, you know, great to come together. Uh, you know, Matt Green's office came and supported us with this and 
Um, Narendra Nand, one of our the counselors in the city that's really been supportive of trying to amplify our voices. So it's great to have those folks on board, but I mean, it, it feels like an uphill battle pushing a boulder when it comes to any of these things. And it can be really exhausting and, um, but the rally itself was great. And it, was, it wasn't it was just Indigenous community. We had so many allies from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds with us that really showed up and stood with us. Um, and to think of those that, that did the pulling and um, vandalizing of the statue. Um, I mean, I say vandalizing, but I don't even like to call it that. Um, <laughs> demonstration. I don't know what, what the word is. Improving. Improving. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I acknowledge the risks they put themselves in, you know, of the criminalization um, and the, the, that they're putting themselves in, in to support us through our, our grieving process and our trauma to create this moment. Like, um, I missed the actual falling of the statue. I had stayed behind at City Hall to help with some of the cleanup of the sound equipment. And I must have, I just got there probably about a minute or two after it fell. And I can't explain the energy that was coming at me as I was running through Gore Park trying to catch up and see what was happening. It was this amazing energy that felt really like healing energy. And the crowd was so excited. And I'm like, this, this energy, it, it was worth it. Like if, if I yeah. were as an organizer of the Unity Rally was criminalized for this act, like it would be worth it for that moment to feel what that crowd felt like that that day. Like it was truly healing and very empowering. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty powerful day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. I was fortunate enough. I got there just as it was about to come down. Um, and I went live on Facebook with it because, and, and the feeling, like I said, it was the empowerment, you know, and, and um, the empowerment that it's like, yeah, we can make it for ourselves. Right? We have to, you know, despite the lack of the, the community um, response to the TRC or to, to a document that the mayor signed, which to me is a very hypocritical piece on his part. It's called the, uh, um, oh, days. Uh, Declaration of Mutual Commitment and Friendship. And it's a, it's a MOU between the municipalities and the local friendship center. And it's, it's like, we're supposed to be collectively, one of the principles is to v- develop relationships on, on, uh, based on mutual respect and uh, trust. But they wouldn't even do an interview with Credible Mohawk Entertainment. They wouldn't even do an interview with me or Andrew. They refused. Yeah. Actually, I had to step in on that uh, because Nikki's the correspondent, so he'll reach out and uh, try to get interviews with different people. Um, so then I saw this correspondence between the two after uh, the regular secretary came in, and I was just like, whoa, hold on here. You know, so I just laid it out and I said, listen, I'll be doing the interview, we'll be doing this and that, you know, um, and do you um, question like regular corporate news media outlets like this? And basically, she said no, <laughs> you know. Um, she said they do ask questions, but it's not like that. Um, and then, so I, I said, you know, we have to point out white supremacy where it is, you know, and then we laid out how like he's advocating for genocide through his actions, everything that he's doing, he's advocating for genocide. He's, he's like upholding it. He's like actually still calling for it. 
you know, actively through his actions and what he's doing. That's why we're calling for Fred Eisenberger's resignation. You know, it's just everything that he's doing is disgusting. And the people that are behind him on council, they're disgusting as well. And when Nick sent me that picture of, like, that was the first picture that I got, that I saw of um, Sir John A. McDonald laying on the ground. I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> you know, now let's keep them going. Let's keep them rolling. Let's cut all their heads off. They all, let's stick them all <laughs> and back all on posts. <laughs> you know? Right, let's right. Let's do it. And, you know, and- <laughs> One thing that really stands out and needs to be mentioned for all the settlers that do listen here, some of them aren't decolonized. A lot of settlers do not understand the trigger behind seeing a statue like that. It'd be no different as if there were statues of Adolf Hitler around in Europe and the Jewish people walk around and see them. There's no difference. So it's illegal to have statues of Adolf Hitler anywhere in Europe. Now, why is it Ill- why is it legal in Canada? People need to ask because of white supremacy. That's the answer. There's no other answer to that question. It's white supremacy. So as a white settler, I'm not triggered by seeing that statue because I don't have that trauma within me, but I hold a lot of space for Indigenous people who do. And I understand why they need to come down. And I'm, and I'm for that, for every single one of them coming down, every single white colonizer member of parliament, every single monarch statue needs to be removed. Take it down. It's, it's not something to celebrate. We don't celebrate genocide. We don't celebrate genocide. It's made illegal in some countries and it's legal here. So the only ones that celebrate genocide are people like Fred Eisenberger and his followers, um, Justin Trudeau, Aaron O'Toole, you know, the people's people's party dude, you know, Maxime Bernier, I think that's his name. Um, he was actually a, a cabinet minister with uh, Stephen Harper. <laughs> Come on, you know, like all of these guys, they uphold genocide. They're all for it. Like you can't buy a pipeline to save the environment. That's just like BS. All you're doing is setting up plans for more, like for more man camps, you know, for more missing and murdered indigenous women. You're just setting up more sex trafficking. You're just setting up more opportunity for these criminals, you know? So like, it's just conceivable that you can think, okay, let's just keep these statues up to remind us what's you know and like even when we spoke with matthew green what he said he was like there was people back in sir john mcdonald's time that disagreed with what he said and wrote about it <laughs> you know like he was that much of a disgust to get what they wanted and that's what they're still doing to this day they're still doing it and yeah he was like, yeah exactly it's like oh my god it was disgusting like you could just see the blatant white supremacy in it in that correspondence email after she came back it was yeah, but I, and I think our, our objectives is, you know, after the meeting with Fred Eisenberger and having met many people with his mindset over, you know, throughout my life, um, is that, you know, I'm not going to focus on, I'm going to focus on empowering our people um, and, and educating them about what their impacts are, because many of our people don't even know that they're impacted by trauma of residential schools and other colonial uh, practices that are still ongoing, you know, but bringing that awareness empowers them and helps them move forward and heal. And, and that's my agenda as well as, as well as um, anybody who wants to be educated or know anything who is indigenous or non-indigenous, you know, I'm willing to share. And also to highlight the fact that we are a community 
we are a community within Hamilton. Um, although I don't even live in Hamilton, I work in Hamilton. I, I am from Six Nations. I was born just outside Hamilton in Stony Creek. Um, and majority of my siblings were born in Hamilton, spent a lot of my childhood. Um, but but my goal is to empower, empower as many people, you know, or help them empower themselves. I can't do it, you know, you know, be that support, be there the one and show that we are a united community and we do matter and you are going to hear our voice and you're exactly. going to recognize it, whether you like it or not, you know, you're going to exactly. hear, we have to say. And that's I mean, a really cool push. thing to, for them to think that we're not a community because even even not to be there, I can still feel that connection, and that's what community is, and that's why that's why I'm going this Sunday or the, you know to the to the concert because there's that connection yeah. there, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. community sense of we're all together. It's because the power of anything is within the people. It's within all of our voices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as soon as everybody starts learning that we actually hold the power, nothing's going to change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of settlers don't see or feel or know what a community is. They think that having, you know, four or five or half a dozen neighbors that you're good friends with or really good friends with some and your acquaintances with other, that's a community. It's really not. A community is the entirety of the population of where you live, the whole city within the stupid colonial border. That's a community but it doesn't exist. There's so much divisiveness and, and everything between people. And I've talked about it on the show before, you know, is if somebody doesn't like somebody because of their political ideals or where they work or what kind of car they drive or what color their skin is or the flowers they grow or that their lawn is a mess. You know, it's, it's so many stupid petty things to divide people and it all stems from colonialism, but the people who are wrapped up in colonialism can't see it. And it's just, you know, they won't understand the trauma behind it. And just like they don't understand what unity means to an indigenous community. Yeah, um, I've gotten they, threats. They also, you've yeah, gotten threats? Absolutely. Oh, I've um, gotten threats since I started doing Red Truth and White Lies. Because, you know, that's unity. I'm unified mm -hmm. myself with indigenous people. I honor the guy in Aragoa. I follow the Turo Wampum. And I speak out and I call out against, uh, against my own race uh, in the colonial society because it's wrong. You know, that's does, where, it, that's does where it scare me that I get threats? No. <laughs> when we look at community, we see it more than just a physical place, a physical uh, space. We see it as a spiritual connection, a mental connection, an emotional connection. We hold all those. And when we have all those similarities, we see each other as part of a community. You know, yeah. even though yeah. we're from different nations, we're all from this community and we hold these same things in our hearts and our minds and our, in our bodies, you know? So uh, we all come from the land and that's why we continue defending it. <laughs> yep, and it also extends beyond that physical space, you know? Um, yep. You know, like I said, I don't live in Hamilton, but I have, I have many family ties in Hamilton. Um, our people are transient. I'm from Six Nations, so you know it's like down the road. Um, and I, like I said, I have ties in Hamilton. Other people have ties in Hamilton, just like Jordan. You know, she's from out west, but she has ties in Hamilton. Um, we are all brothers and sisters, right? And and that is our community, and and that's who we've committed to to um, taking care of and supporting is our community wherever they be. 
you know. So, and when it was, when during the rally, we had a lot of allies from various uh, territories. Um, even the chief beacon wasn't from Hamilton or from Six Nations. He came from what? Where did he come from, Jordan? That was um, Kettle and Stony Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, we all claim ownership to our people because we all have responsibilities, roles, and um, to each other. We have the responsibility to make a safer, safer space for the generations, for our children and our grandchildren, right? As well as ones yeah. who are there now. I actually just found out that um, the chief that you just mentioned, he's actually running for MP now in the federal election. So he's yeah. actually the bill. So that's, that's great and good for him. Hopefully he uh, gets in there and makes some, some kind of noise. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can see, and that can put yourself in a challenging position, right? When you hear about other ones who have chosen to go that road and try and make a difference within the Canadian government system mm -hmm. and the challenges they face. So hopefully, you know, he can persevere and, and really make a difference for even with uh, Sean McQuillan from uh, so-called British Columbia, he even said, you know, the whole system is designed against us, even to first to be able to get in there. So as soon as you get in there, you're going to face a whole new set of obstacles. So the ones that do get in there and maintain like props to them, like kudos to them that are able to stick that, you know, internal yeah. institutional racism through because that's insane. Exactly. And you're at the very top of the institutional racism, right? So it's like yeah. those are the really true colonizers who keep alive those policies that that keep us down, right? So yeah, they are the colonizers in that room. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Like to sit among the colonizers. colonizers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, like that takes a different kind of guts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I would laugh. I didn't. I wouldn't like it. I'd be yelling at them all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably end up in jail. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be in jail again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome, though. Yeah. So, um, tell me a little bit about what it was like in the aftermath of the rally after the statue came down, like the last, the few days after. Can you give us a little bit of idea of how that felt and what it was like? Well, I know a group of us went right off to lunch and we just, you know, had a great time and, and, you know, you can pick the smile off your face and, you know, it was just, it was phenomenal. You know, it was, a, like I said, it was such an empowering feeling um, and it continues, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we can, like I said, we can make a difference. We can make changes for our people. We just need to be active, you know, in it and not let them suppress us. Or oppress us anymore, right? We just have to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're still continuing on our work in different ways, and we're not disappearing. The rally wasn't the end of it; it was the beginning of it. Um, I, I believe Jordan will agree. We have more coming up. We'll be back there again, second Saturday in August, City Hall. Bring your drums. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> in your regalia, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna remind City Hall that yes, we are still united we're still here and and they're going to hear our voices mm -hmm. you know yeah, there's no we can't be silent anymore there's there's no room for that there's no more time for that you know it's it's a complete time of change right now what we're going through 
And what we need to do is use our voices to make sure that that change goes in the right direction, you know, so that there's no more genocide. So, so people can actually drink clean waters. Nobody goes missing anymore. People aren't getting murdered anymore. You know, we don't have all these colonizer statues up. We don't have all these colonizer policies. Like we have our own love. There was already, yeah. and it needs to be governed. So, yeah, yeah, and the children are speaking out, right? It's like time to to bring awareness. They have no choice, I believe. I don't see how they cannot put this in the in the educational system, right? It needs uh-huh. to be part of the curriculum. It um, does the true history yeah. of Canada and how it was founded. Right. So, yeah, it does. Um, and, and the only way, the only way to make that change, it's not through voting. It, you know, if voting made any changes, they'd make it illegal. The only way to make change is by forcing the government to make that change. And the only way that that is going to happen is by the people speaking out and not being complacent. The only people speaking out right now are indigenous people and a few of their allies. But there's more there's more people standing up. And I don't really call them all settlers or white people, but I call them all assimilated to the colonial system uh, because they're all from, you know, there's there's a huge amount of immigration that happens in Canada. And a lot of them come here with the dream that they have imposed onto them by, you know, the videos and things that they see. But I've talked to immigrants who come here and they say it's it's a bunch of bullshit. It's all lies. It's not what they thought. You know, they want to come and live the Canadian dream. And then when they get here, they realize that, oh, I'm broke all the time here, too. There's really no difference. There's no bombs going off, but I'm still broke. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no difference. And, and what's going to make a difference is if the people speak up and, and change things. Right. Yeah. Right. And with I, although I hate technology, um, working on it anyways. You know, Me too. Um, but <laughs> but the, the but social media, you know, and that worldwide platform that we now have, you know, and utilizing that and bringing awareness across the world. Because, like you said, out there and, you know, beyond our borders, I think Canada is this wonderful, peaceful uh, place, you know, all a bunch of hippies that are all happy, happy, happy. Well, that's not the situation. <laughs> It's all lies, yes. It is all lies. It's all all a bunch of white lies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have to, you know, our role is to to bring that awareness out there. The red truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But my priority is always my people. You know, they come first. Supporting the people. In the work I do at the Friendship Center, so it's supporting, supporting the people and their healing yeah, people always come first. We need to find ways that we can, if people aren't able to speak up, be able to take and use and amplify their voices and, you know, be able to say something and you know, help mm-hmm. them heal, help them through those times. And taking those statues down is, you know, helping people find their voices. Um, and right. like how you mentioned, we, we have few settlers. I actually just saw this guy. Um, I think he's Eco Allies. And he made this he made this video. And it was all about the drinking water and everything like that from a settler's point of view, how, like, you know, the colonial system is a piece of shit. And it was really good. I was like, oh my God, this is only like the second or third time I've actually seen somebody like an ally come up with something like this. Right. And so I had to tell right. him, you know, I'm like this, like you're going to start getting threats soon. So keep going. When you start getting threats, you know, you're doing something right. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then, exactly. I love seeing on the news when, when uh, mainstream 
water systems get contaminated and it's like, oh my God, we've had to boil our water for three days. What is going on here, right? <laughs> How can we be treated so unfairly? And you just laugh because, you know, growing up, you know, I didn't grow up on six all my life, but we had to we had to boil our water, get our water out of the well, go go get clean water from the fire hall, you know, because, and and it's still the same. You know, it's still the same thing. You know, I remember getting water from the fire hall. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, that's insane. I hope everybody can, uh, you know, hear the message that we're trying to send out, not only from you, from Red Truths and White Lies, from all the Indigenous voices, um, because, you know, there's a serious problem and we're telling you about it daily. So it's just now your responsibility to listen. Listen to what we're saying, because we're not here to give you any lines. We're not here to bullshit you. We're just here to tell the truth because, you know, we don't have anything to hide. And if you looked into the emails through Fred Eisenberger, you see they have everything to hide. Oh. So, you know, let's expose the truth. Let's listen to all the Indigenous voices. So, um, Jordan, Audrey, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an amazing talk. Thanks for having, Thanks us. For having us. And have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you too. That's Red Truth and White Lies for this week. Everybody have a great evening. That was 